This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Well, with all of this coronavirus talk, today is Earth Day. Starting back in 1970 with President Nixon and Mrs. Nixon planting a tree on the South Lawn at the White House as the fight to lower pollution levels reached the political realm. Now there's a greater focus on climate change and global warming. And with many of us under shelter-in-place orders, it may you look it may make you look at the lengths we are taking to fight the pandemic and how maybe some of those measures could help out in terms of protecting the earth. Eric Ortz, Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics here at the Wharton School, as well as Director of the Initiative for Global Environmental Leadership, joining us on the line. Eric, great to talk to you. Hope you're doing well. Hi, Dan. Yeah, uh, good to see, uh, good to hear you, too, and I hope everything is well with you, too. I'm hanging in there. So this 50th yeah. anniversary of Earth Day, what, what does it mean to you? Well, I think the biggest thing is uh, if you reflect on the history of Earth Day, and there's a really great uh, reflection on what Penn was doing then. There, there was a lot of activity there in the, uh, by, uh, that was led by Anna Berg, who's a history professor here, and her students. It's in Penn today. But uh, I think the biggest thing for me to reflect about is the role of science and the importance of science in uh, what, what sparked off a political movement and then legislation. And then, as you said, uh, President Nixon um, joining the uh, call for environmental legislation, et cetera. But if you look at it from a historical perspective, it all goes back to science. And uh, I think most people credit Rachel Carson and her famous uh, Silent Spring book in 1962, which um, was a scientific, uh, scientific exploration of the danger of pesticides, particular kinds of pesticides, and how uh, its effect on birds and other life including human beings. And so I think that's the big lesson today. And if you think about our current COVID-19 crisis, it's kind of the same thing, right? It's uh, who do we depend on to understand the virus, how to attack the virus, how to, how to move forward from that. You know, all eyes are on the science and um, medical advancements, uh, epidemiologists who are giving us advice. So I think that's, and then as you mentioned in the intro, if we think forward to climate, it's the same kind of lesson. We have to listen to the scientists. And if we can draw one lesson, both from Earth Day and the COVID-19 crisis that we're currently in, it's that we really need to believe in science again. We, that, that's a fundamental uh, underpinning of our civilization. And when we don't listen to the scientists, that's when we really are going to get into trouble. You know, Eric, I, I've seen a few articles in the last couple of days, uh, you know, talking about the, the anniversary. Uh, and, and a couple of them have mentioned the, the kind of the development of Earth Day in terms of getting the message out and, and the communication of it and connecting with, with people around the country has to a degree been a little bit like our country, especially in the last decade or two, because of the growth of digital and how a lot of those messages on Earth Day, and obviously today, with so many people being at home, a lot of what is going to be uh, talked about and, and commemorated for Earth Day is going to have to be virtual via via digital ma- means. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. But I also think there's a silver lining. I mean, obviously, you know, it's terrible what's happening. We have 45,000 dead in the United States and climbing, and it's going to be even worse 
I just heard was in a seminar with a colleague, including uh, colleagues, including Harvey Rubin at Penn Medical School. And there's really no doubt that this is going to be even worse when uh, the virus starts to hit other places. So it's hard to think of uh, silver linings. But I think one of them is in all of the, and even seeing talking to you remotely, et cetera. One positive outcome that I see for this for climate is that the technologies that we're using, Zoom, Blue Jeans, you know, that's how we're teaching today. That's how we're having conferences. If you think about it, those technologies will improve, I think, from all this use and from, uh, from our need to employ them. And they actually have a huge benefit from the point of view of climate. So if you think about conferences, for example, even before the COVID-19 crisis, we've had people saying, you know, why do you need to have every, every year some huge academic conference in your discipline? How about making it every other year? Or how about having conferences rather than flying over? And I have to admit, I reflect, I, I, I changed my behavior on this at some point when I remember flying over to Europe um, actually, it was nice that I got a business class ticket, but that that burns up more, more greenhouse gas fuel, green, more green, produces more greenhouse gases than a regular ticket. And I was going over to have a climate conference, and then you come back. <laughs> if you add up all yeah. of these trips that everyone's having to discuss and try to come to a solution about climate uh, problems, it's a little bit ironic, right? You're basically causing more of the problem than you're solving. And so I think that's one thing, the, the, the virtual, um, the telepresence, the, 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 um, those kinds of technologies are going to increase. And I think people are going to get in better, you know, better sense of what the cost is when we, when we take planes and when we're, when, we're, when we're using our cars all the time. So that's one big benefit. I think you're going to see remote technologies improve. It's going to be more and more like you're right there with the person when you're having a conference. And, you know, we've had a lot of technological difficulties being thrown into this. But I think that you're going to see that improving. And then after the crisis, I think you'll, you'll see people saying, well, actually, we're saving a lot of uh, – it's kind of nice. Uh, so even in Philadelphia, I don't know if you've noticed this, but in Philadelphia, if you walk around now, the air quality is yeah. noticeably better. And yeah. a lot of other people are noticing the same thing. So you say, hey, why can't we do that? We can make a transition. We have the technology. We can use electric cars. We can use um, transportation, you know, easier transportation. We don't have to go to work maybe every day. Yeah. So I think that's the positive way to think about this is that the, the efficiencies that we're gaining to deal with the COVID-19 crisis are going to translate into being in a better position to deal with the climate crisis. Well, Eric, I remember probably, I guess it was about a month, maybe a month and a half ago, uh, watching a story online, and, and they were talking about uh, the issues uh, surrounding emissions, uh, and they showed basically like a, a, a picture from outer space, a thermal picture from outer space of, of what China was looking like, and during this crisis, the, the amount of emissions were cut back significantly. And the same thing here in the United States with the fact that we have, you know, hardly any planes flying right now. Obviously, not a lot of cars, uh, you know, some on the road, but not making the long trips like uh, we, we do in the summertime. So you have this window of, you know, it may be four months, it may be six months, whatever it might be, where emissions in general are just going to be significantly lower. 
Yeah, I think that's right. So that's something that we can look at. Now, obviously, that currently what that means is our economy is tanking. And I know you look at that issue a lot. Um, yeah. But one of the reasons is that we're so dependent on uh, a fossil fuel kind of economy. And so this actually provides us an opportunity to look at that. And I think some of these other solutions that we're, we're going to find, we're finding now in terms of remote um, remote connections are going to help us uh, solve that problem going forward. And, and I think also just uh, as you're indicating, people noticing that it's pretty nice to go outside in cities and not be breathing smog is going to be uh, is going to probably translate into a general feeling, well, you know, when we come back into this economy, why don't we build a clean economy rather than just go back to the old one, which we already knew had to make a major transition. So sometimes you need a major shock like this to allow people to start to think about a necessary alternative. So that's another way I, in which I think about the COVID crisis. I've, one analogy I've used is to think of COVID as a canary and sort of the global coal mine. You know, it's giving us a wake-up call that you cannot just sort of, you cannot just pay no attention to what's happening to the natural world. And so the same way that scientists are telling us what is happening with uh, viruses, yeah. and this is not the only virus, we have to be worried about new viruses that are coming up because we're pressing on the limits of uh, the natural environment, we also have to listen to them about climate, or we're going we're gonna to actually be in much worse shape. That's why I consider COVID the canary. If we don't let COVID, if we don't listen to this signal, yeah. the damage that climate uh, consequence of climate disruption is going to be much worse than what we are experiencing right now. It's hard to imagine that, but if you look at estimations of deaths, of drought, of famine, yeah. it's much worse in 20, 30 years with respect to climate than it re than it even is now with the with the virus. Eric, thanks very much for your time today. Uh, stay safe, and we'll see you on campus at some point down the road. All right. Stay safe and secure yourself. Thank you. Eric Ortz from the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.